This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. We're continuing our series on wisdom. And the last few months we've been studying the book of Proverbs and learning and growing and understanding wisdom. And I don't know about you, but in our life group, we have been loving it. Anyone else? We have been having an amazing time really getting to grips with this idea of wisdom and the book of Proverbs in our life group and in in our own lives. And it's been amazing. And this morning, I want to extend to you wisdom's invitation. Because wisdom has an invitation. And wisdom's invitation is found in chapter 9, verse 6. And wisdom's invitation is to walk in the way of understanding is to walk in the way of understanding. And in those few words, we see again a recurring theme we've seen over the last few months and that we see in the book of Proverbs, that acquiring wisdom is a journey. Acquiring wisdom is a journey. And no matter where you are right now, no matter how far you have been, there is further to go. There is more for you to see. There is more for you to discover, and there are more adventures for you to embark on. And wisdom's invitation is to walk in the way of understanding. And it is the way of understanding that leads us from knowledge to wisdom. It's the way of understanding that leads us from the place of knowledge to the place of wisdom. And I don't know about you, but as I've been studying Proverbs, I've I've noticed that at times it talks about wisdom, and at times it talks about knowledge, and at times it talks about understanding. And I've been asking myself, well, what do these things mean? And how do they relate to each other? And for me, these things can be best understood in terms of the questions that they answer. In terms of the questions that they answer. So knowledge... Knowledge answers the questions of what, of who, of where, of when, of how. And knowledge looks to the past. Knowledge, you may know, for example, uh, what the Bible says. You may know where God has positioned you. You may know, at least in part, who God is. You may know how you're wired. Knowledge answers the questions of what, of who, of where, of when, of how. And wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is the application of knowledge and it is directed to the future. Wisdom ensures that what we know affects the way that we live. That it doesn't just stay knowledge in our head or even in our hearts, but it affects our day-to-day lives. That it affects the way that we live, that it affects the decisions that we make. The way that we treat people, the words that we speak, the way that we act, even our thought life. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. And it is the way of understanding that leads us from knowledge to wisdom. And understanding answers the question of why. Understanding answers the question of why. For example, you may know where God has positioned you. You may know that the place where you currently work, whether it's a company, whether it's a healthcare provider, whether it's in a school, whether it's in the home, whether you're self-employed, you may know that the place where you currently work is not a coincidence. It is not a stopgap. It's not just about paying the bills. It's not a mistake, but it is the place where God has strategically positioned you at this time. 
you may know where God has positioned you. And you, but you may or may not know why. You may or may not know the reason that God has placed you in the place where he has placed you. And, and so we need to begin that journey of walking in the way of understanding and ask him, well, why? God, why have you put me where you have put me? And it may be that God begins to speak to you and begins to help you to understand and to realize that, that he's put you there because he wants you to be a godly influence in that place. It may be that he's put you there because he wants you to pastor your colleagues. It may be that he has put you there because he wants you to bring joy into your environment. It may be that he has put you in the place where he has put you because he wants you to speak prophetically into the future of your organization. Understanding asks the question of why. When we begin to understand not only where God has positioned us, but why he has positioned us there, then wisdom says, well, if God has put me here because he wants me to pastor my colleagues, then I need to get involved in their lives. I need to get to know them. I need to perhaps accept that invitation to that 50th birthday party, even though I don't like birthday parties. I I need to be ready and willing to, when one of my colleagues doesn't quite look themselves and looks like something's not quite right, I need to be ready and willing to say, hey, are you okay? You just don't look yourself today. I need to be ready and willing to pastor them in the situation that they're going through, whatever it is that they say, and not just turn a blind eye because I feel a bit awkward about what the answer might be. Wisdom says, well, if God has put me here because he wants me to be a bringer of joy into my environment, then I need to find a way to protect my joy. I need to find a way to make sure that the things that I face in life don't rob me of my joy. Because God has put me in this place because he wants me to bring joy. If I've got to bring it, then I've got to have it. And I've got to protect it. Wisdom says, if the reason that God has put me in the place where he has put me is because he wants me to speak prophetically into the future of the organization, then when I am in a meeting, when I'm involved in decision-making, future planning, in strategy for that organization, then I need to have one ear completely attuned to what is going on in the room around me. I need to be listening. I need to be engaged. I need to be on the ball. But I also need to have one ear totally tuned in to the whispers of heaven, listening to what God is saying into that situation. In my heart, as as I'm engaged in that meeting, I need to be saying, God, what are you saying? What are you saying for the future of this organization? What is your heart for this company? What is your heart for this school? What is your heart for this health care provider? What is the best thing that we can do right now? What is our next step? And then I need to be ready to share that in a really normal but a really powerful way as God speaks through you. So knowledge answers the questions of what, of where, of when, of who. But understanding answers the question of why. And it's understanding that leads us from knowledge to wisdom. And wisdom's invitation is to walk in the way of understanding. And if we are going to walk in the way of understanding, we need to keep asking the why. We need to keep searching for the why. And not in an irritating, consistent way, like the stage that small children go through. You've probably all heard it when every response is why, why, but why, but why. And no matter how many progressively intellectual, deep answers you give, you always get to that point where you say, Just because. (laughs) Because there's only so much you can give. 
but not, not in an irritating way, not in an accusational way, with the right heart and the right attitude at the right time. But we need to keep asking the why, because understanding is a fountain of life. That's what Proverbs 16 verse 22 tells us. Understanding is a fountain of life. What an incredible image. What an inviting image. Understanding is a fountain of life. But Proverbs Proverbs gives us an alternative image to this. In um, 21 verse 16, it says, A man who strays from the path of understanding comes to rest in the company of the dead. A man who strays from the path of understanding comes to rest in the company of the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but when I weigh up those two options, I don't have to think for long. The fountain of life or the company of the dead. It doesn't take much thought, does it? Understanding, keeping on, asking why, keeping walking in the way of understanding is a fountain of life. And it is as we ask why that we are kept alive on the inside, as we keep searching and discovering and moving forward, rather than becoming stagnant and still and lifeless. We need to keep asking the why. But in the same way as we need to keep asking the why, we need to keep explaining the why. In the people that we lead in life, whether it's in your parenting, whether it's managing in your workplace, whether it's as you lead in a small group, whether it's in a department within the church, in your ministry, as we lead others in the way of understanding, we need to keep explaining the why. There's an almost daily conversation that goes on in our house, and it goes something like this. Mummy, can we have a treat? No, let's have a breakfast first. Mummy, can we have a treat? Well, hold on a second. Let's, uh, let's wait at least till after lunch. And just, to, just so you can understand, a treat, in the mind of our children, is something high in sugar. It's not crisps. Apparently, they don't qualify as a treat. It's not strawberries or grapes or blueberries, things that I thought were a treat when I was growing up. It's not sitting down with your lovely family having a meal. No, we've tried all those, we've tried all those explanations. A treat is high in sugar. So, mummy, can we have a treat? Well, no, hang on a sec. We did have a cake after lunch. So let's have fruit for our afternoon snack. I think that's probably enough for us. Uh, and then daddy comes home, and sometimes daddy might bring leftover cakes from meetings that he's been, been to. So daddy walks in and, daddy, have you bought anything for us home today? Have, have you been to any meetings today? And, um, and then we get to after tea and what, what's for pudding? Can we have a treat? And um, this is a daily conversation that goes on in our house. It might go on in your house as well. But in that whole process, we seek to help our children understand not just the what and the when, not just what they can eat and when they can eat it, but we seek to help them understand the why. Why we are saying, no, you cannot have cake for breakfast. Why we are saying you cannot just eat cake all the time. Why we are saying maybe one cake in your little body, that's enough for today. We try and help them understand the why. And what I have realized is that, as, especially for Bella, who's, who's five and a half now, as she has got older and is, is it's easier for her to understand why we are saying what we are saying, it does a number of things. And the first thing it does is it diverts the meltdown. It diverts the meltdown and the kicking and the screaming and the, I just want a cake. Why won't you give it to me? Because she begins to understand the why. 
But it does something else as well. It begins to prepare her to make good food choices in the future. Because we won't always be able to be there to say, whoa, it's nine o'clock in the morning, put the cake away. It prepares her to make good food choices in the future when we're not there to make them for her. But then even wider than that, it prepares her to make good health choices. As we begin to help her understand that our bodies are precious, that they've got to last us, that we need to be careful what we put into them, how we look after them, it begins to prepare her to make wider health choices about sleep, about exercise, about laughter. And we need to keep explaining the why in the relationships that we have with people. We need to help people understand not only what we're asking them to do or how we want them to do it, but why. Because when we, when we explain the why, we divert the meltdown. Now, of course, us grown-ups don't have meltdowns, do we? But when the people we are leading, when the people we are leading understand why we're asking them to do something and we're asking them to do it a particular way, it helps them to do it with a good attitude. It helps them to see it. No, I can grasp hold of that because I understand why you're asking me to do that the way you're asking me to do it. But more than that, it enables them to make decisions about that kind of thing in the future when we're not there to, to say, I specifically want it done this way. Can we, can we do it like this and by this time? It prepares them to think about the principles, the, the explanation, the why, so they can make decisions in the future. Not just in, in that one area, but as they can apply those principles to the wider areas in which they're working or serving. We need to keep asking the why and we need to keep explaining the why. Proverbs teaches us that if we are going to walk in the way of understanding, we need to learn to hold our tongue. We need to learn to hold our tongue. Proverbs 11 verse 12 says, the one who has understanding holds his tongue. The one who has understanding holds his tongue because he understands not only that are our words copied, they are very, very powerful. Our words are very, very powerful. This, um, on Thursday, Bella starts year one of school, so she's, last year she finished reception. And we began to realize that she was picking up words from school. And um, some of them were funny, some of them were a little bit irritating, but one of the most memorable ones was a phrase, in fact, was this, and it often came with a face as well. That's not even funny. That's not even funny. Which I thought was a bit unfair, because I thought I was being funny. And I thought Pete was being funny, but perhaps that's just a parent's perspective. But words are copied, aren't they? The words that we say, the way that we say them, the phrases that we use, the way that we treat people are copied and picked up by the people around us. But not only are words copied, they are incredibly, incredibly powerful. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says that the tongue holds the power of life and death. The tongue holds the power of life and death and death. Research shows that self-statements have a neurological response. That self-statements, the things that we say about ourselves, whether it's, I am awesome, and I can do it, or whether it's, oh, no, I'm, I'm not very good at that. I'm a bit rubbish. How many times have you heard someone say that? Or perhaps even heard yourself say that, or I'm, I'm not very good at that kind of thing. I'm, a bit, I'm just a bit rubbish. The things that we say about ourselves create a response in our brain. Those words matter. The things that we say create something goes on in our bodies and our brains when we say things about ourselves. The tongue holds the power to life and death. 
And you may have seen this when, when a positive, intentional, encouraging word is spoken into someone. You may have almost seen that moment where they, they just look like they're coming alive a little bit more, that there's more of a sparkle in their eye, that it's almost like they're, they're blossoming on the inside when a kind and an encouraging and an intentional, specific, positive word is spoken. But you may have also seen or you may have also experienced the opposite when a careless word, when a negative word, when an unkind word is spoken. It's as almost as if the person begins to close up. It's almost as if there's a, there's a small part on the inside that maybe it's not so noticeable in that moment, but there's a small part on the inside that begins to die because the tongue holds the power to life and death. And we need to understand that negative words will delay our journey of understanding. Negative words will halt our journey of understanding for us and for others. So if we're going to walk in the way of understanding, we need to learn to hold our tongue. Proverbs also teaches us that patience will aid us in our journey. That patience will aid us in our journey in the way of understanding. Proverbs 14 verse 29, says, a patient man has great understanding. A patient man has great understanding. Because it takes patience to recognize that it's a journey. It takes patience to recognize that sometimes it doesn't go the way we think. And when there's times perhaps when, when we look at the path ahead and it looks a little bit more like this, when it looks a bit dangerous, when it looks a bit painful, when it doesn't look clear of the way ahead, we need to recognize that we need patience because there is often more going on than we can realize. There's God is often working behind the scenes and under the surface, putting things in place that we'll only realize later. And so in that moment, patience is necessary. There were some scientific experiments conducted on some students. There were three separate experiments conducted on 262 students. And it was focused on a particular um, event, such as an exam. It was focused on how they approached an exam. Now, half of the students were asked to focus on the outcome, like a particular result, maybe an A, maybe an A star. Half of the students focused on the outcome of that exam. And then half of the students were asked to focus on the process. The other half were asked to focus on the process by which a result could be obtained. They were asked to focus on the study they'd need to do, on the sacrifices they might need to make, on the time that they would need to invest. And what was found in three separate experiments is those who focused on the process did better across the board in the exam than those that focused on the outcome. We need to remember that it's a journey. And it doesn't always look like what we imagined it would look like. And sometimes there are challenges we didn't expect to face. But we need to take hold of patience. And remember that the way of understanding is a journey. It is a journey. And it's so important that in our, in our relationships, as we lead people in the way of understanding, that we foster patience. Whether it's in our parenting, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in, within church life, that we foster patience. Because compliance takes a moment, but character takes time to develop. Compliance takes a moment, but character takes time to develop. Sometimes in our house, bedtime can begin to drag on. I don't mean my bedtime. I'm really good at going to bed. 
I wish I could go to bed earlier. But I'm in our children's bedtime, and Bella is very good at rolling off a whole list of excuses. And um, it can go on and on. It often starts with, Mummy, I need a wee. Mummy, I need a drink. Mummy, I need another wee. Mummy, my foot hurts. And then the best one a few weeks ago, Mummy, I can't get to sleep because there are too many teddies on my bed. But I don't want to take any teddies off my bed. So I was stuck. I had nothing. And, um, and after a while, it gets a bit wearing, and perhaps you can relate. And, and I know that I have a secret weapon that can get compliance in a moment. And that is these words. Bella, if you do not go back, if you do not go back in your bedroom, if you come out again, if you shout out again, you will not have pom bears in your lunchbox tomorrow morning. It gets compliance in a moment because sometimes I'm tired of talking through the excuses. And, and in, in our leading, in our parenting, as we manage people, it's easy to, to, to do something which says, no, you have to do what I've said right now. It's easy to do that, but it takes time to help people to understand why, to, uh, to explain, well, it, no, you don't need the loo because you went to the toilet five minutes ago. Your body can cope with that. It takes time to explain, to allow them to ask questions. It takes time to help them really understand, to give them a bit of a chance to make a mistake, to extend grace and helping them learn. Compliance can take a moment, but character takes time to develop. So we need to foster patience in our relationships as we lead people. Proverbs teaches us that if we are going to walk in the way of understanding, we need to remain teachable. 15 verse 32 says, Whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Whoever heeds correction gains understanding. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. This is Micah. And Micah is almost two. And as you can see, Micah is a lovely, happy little boy. He has a lovely smile. He's got these big blue eyes, his gorgeous blonde hair. And Micah is a really happy little boy. That is until he thinks somebody is going to tell him off. Or, in fact, until he is told off. And then everything changes. And this is the response you get. This is what Micah does when Micah thinks he's going to be told off. And these photos can't quite capture it because the lip comes out, the eyes look down, the head bows, in fact, the arms cross, and he starts to walk away. And he starts to have a sulk because although he's only two and he's he's got time to unlearn this, he's got this idea in his mind that to be told off, to be corrected, to be guided is a bad thing. It's a negative thing. And he's decided that his response is to walk away and to have a sulk. Now, I hope for us there's not not a, a bottom lip that goes out. When someone comes alongside us and offers correction, when someone comes alongside us and challenges us, even when it feels uncomfortable. When someone comes alongside us and offers advice and guidance, Proverbs says that whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Whoever heeds correction gains understanding. What about if we didn't just walk away? What about if we didn't walk away from those moments? Actually, we walked to those moments. 
Actually, we were the kind of people that say, hey, have you got some wisdom? Have you got some guidance? How can I do this better? That are willing to, perhaps even when that's a bit painful, even when it's a bit personal, take that to God and process that in prayer. Not just allow it to, to fester and cause us to walk away from that relationship. Because to be unteachable is, is extremely arrogant because it says, well, I've learned everything I need to learn. And there is more for each one of us to learn. But not only that, we do ourselves a disservice because it stunts our learning and it halts our journey on the way of understanding. It halts that journey in the way of understanding. Wisdom's invitation is to walk in the way of understanding. And that, that way leads us from knowledge to wisdom. It leads us from not just knowing what and who and where and when, but really understanding why, and therefore being able to apply it into our lives, being able to allow it to affect the way that we live, the choices that we make, the kind of life that we live. But sometimes there are times when we look ahead to the path and it seems daunting because we don't, we're not sure of what answers we might find. There are times when we look ahead to the path, the, the way of understanding, and it's a bit confusing as we try to make sense of our current situation. Sometimes it can feel a bit lonely as we wonder, well, is anyone else asking the question I'm asking? Am I on the right path here? Sometimes it can feel a bit disheartening when perhaps it isn't what we thought it would be, when the route takes longer than we thought, when, when we don't get there the way that we thought we would. But in those moments, you know, we can take heart because there is one who knows us, who knows the path we have been on, knows the path that is ahead, and not only that, knows all things, because he is the creator of life itself. And his name is Jesus, and he wants to walk with us. This journey is not a journey that we do alone. He wants to extend his hand to us. He wants to lead us and guide us in the way of understanding, because he is the way. The Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he loves us with an incomprehensible love. He loves us with an everlasting love. A love that that perhaps we've only just begun to scratch the surface of. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 puts it like this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. If you want your journey on the way of understanding to be a straight one, to be as direct as possible, then do not take this journey alone. Don't take this journey alone because it was not a journey you were ever meant to take alone. Jesus extends his hand to us and he wants to lead us and to guide us and for us to place our trust in him. So this morning, I want to extend to you wisdom's invitation to walk in the way of understanding, knowing that that journey is not a journey that we have to do alone. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.